Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right. We are, welcome back to the Deepen Podcast. We are in the third week of this unique Christmas series. We like unique Christmas series around here. We don't do the standard Christmas series, but this Christmas series is talking about Jesus' birth from different perspectives. Uh, Pastor Adam bringing the word this week, although he's not able to be with us for this. So shout out to Pastor Adam. Thanks for bringing the word. Um, we're talking from Matthew chapter 1. So a lot of familiarity here. I heard uh, Tim Keller say that one of the hazards of Christmas is that you have familiar texts that are sentimental. And so they are they tempt you to think only about the emotional side of it instead of letting it address your heart the way that it's supposed to. So um, familiar familiar passage of Scripture. So um, in this passage of Scripture, you have, pa- you have uh, Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, and three wise men hearing from the Lord through dreams. What so makes gonna... you say three wise men? Well, the wise men, sorry. <laughs> Cultures told me that. We, th- so. we three things. Uh, That's right. Of Orient are. That's right. Maybe. They had three gifts, but it never says there's three wise men. That's true. Well, some people could turn this off right now. That's their, <laughs> they learned something Their new. mind is blown. <laughs> what we do need to continuously warn our people of is don't be trying to blow up Nana's Christmas cantata because they put Matthew... One and two together with Luke chapter two, uh-huh. and as we've talked about, they're right. not in the same time period. Just mm-hmm. a couple of years later. Oh yeah, you know, it's probably a, this is a house somewhere else. So don't go down to your neighbor's house and like drop kick the the, the nativity. nativity scene. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and manger was probably a, sto- a stone trough. You know all the things. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. All right, so we'll start off with a light question. But the Rudolph part is legit. <laughs> <laughs> and the drummer boy. I mean, what else could he bring? Yeah, I, mean, I do think about that every time. You only have what you have. I think a drummer yeah. boy. <laughs> what else can I bring? I have no gift to offer him. <laughs> uh, oh, so let's talk about prophetic dreams. Joseph had one. Have you? Have you ever had one? The Lord speak to you in a dream. Why y'all looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can tell you this, that my, the one that stands, stands out to me is that I had, I don't know if it was a dream or like a picture, like kind of as I was sleeping, but uh, before I got married, of my family, like standing on a beach. Really? Yeah, wild. And I actually like drew it, uh, drew it out. Like So I knew that I was going to have an older daughter and a son that was younger because I was holding him and that my daughter would have curlier hair than my son. He'd be dark haired and she'd be lighter. I mean, it was just like... Those the details were in my dream. Where did you live when you had this dream? Georgia. So you didn't live at the beach? No, not at all. Wow. Yeah, I had a, <laughs> I had a, I had a, a, a couple of similar things related to to moving here to Jacksonville. Uh, one would be normally call it like a premonition, even though mm. I don't know if that's the right word. I was here preaching for a thing at Beach Church when you were the student pastor there. Years and years and so years. So you're sleeping years. on my couch and stuff? No, this was a different one. This was like you had already moved into like the executive oh. teaching. Stone was kind of running things. And we were staying at the beach. My Annie Catherine was a baby baby. And I just remember one morning waking up and going outside, and I just had this like real deep sense of like, 
It's almost like having a deja vu moment where you, you dream something and then you kind of find yourself in it and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, that's weird. Yeah. That's happened to me quite a few times. But the um, the that I had that moment like where I felt like I was living in a deja vu yeah. moment. Like in here, reverse. Here in Jacksonville, but I, I had not dreamed it. Yeah. But it was very like one of those disorienting, like what's going on? That happened. And then years later, we're actually talking about moving down here and I'm I'm not going to get into the details of the dream, but the I had a very distinct dream that I still don't have all sorted out, that no question was from the Lord, and Jesus was in the dream. And we had been praying as a family, like, Lord, make it clear to us, is 1122 where he wants to go, speak to us. And he did. He spoke to me in a dream. One of the ways he spoke to me was through a dream. And even though I, I, I still, many years later, haven't made full sense of it um it was very clear that it was him responding in this thing and one thing leads to another now 10 years later and and so yeah i've had certain certainly i've had the lord speak to me through through dreams no question i mostly have nightmares of, of like it's it doesn't take like a pop psychologist to figure it out it's like my deepest fears revealed mm. You know, like when we first got married, I would dream constantly that Gretchen was leaving me and it was my fault, but the fault happened before the dream started. So I didn't like, it just was. Mm. And she was leaving. I was like terrified. I'd wake mm-hmm. up like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, sometimes I have these terrible dreams that I'm preaching my face off, man. And like nobody's there and nobody's into it. And I'm like, what has happened? Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. so crazy. You know, it's kind of that like show up to class and there's a test. All right. So... Um, I've had, I mean, some like, you know, more charismatic than I'm normally comfortable with moments in my life. Um, I think every good little Baptist goes through this like discovery of the gifts kind of from, from another stream's perspective. Mm -hmm. And so when I was at Pine Hill at camp, when I was in college, uh, there was a, there was a guy that believed in the full expression of the gifts more so than I did at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first time I'd ever been exposed to somebody <clears> that spoke in tongues. Uh, his version would be a prayer language, probably not not like a prophetic word for the church. Yeah. But he's like, you should you should pray for the gift of tongues and you should pray for the gift of uh, interpretation. And so we're at my we're upstairs at my grandma's house. We worked at camp, and on the weekends we would go stay with my grandma because she she was a widow. Mm. <clears throat> and I'm like, all right, Lord, this is in my experience at that point, I'd never been around anything like this. He's over there like, you want to buy a Honda, you know? And I'm like, Lord, come on, you have a word, whatever. And I, and I'm, I finally resolved to like, Lord, this, this seems crazy. But if I believe you spoke the world into existence, I'm just trying to do what your word says. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I'm open. And in my mind's eye, not my real eyes that I opened my eyes with, but in my mind's eye, I could see Jesus step into the doorway of that bedroom and the peace that transcends all understanding just went boo. And I never, I never could interpret that tongue, nor did I speak in tongues. But I'm telling you what, the peace of God was like, it don't matter, man. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. Hmm. You know? Wow. And it resolved things for me mm-hmm. in a supernatural way that, <clears throat> you know, depending on where you're from and what you believe or, what you think the words in First Corinthians mm-hmm. mean, you can come at it from a different way. Yeah, I've had a, I haven't thought about this event in a long time. First mission trip I ever go on, <clears throat> it's probably like 1990, 
two, three, something like that. I'm in college. Um, it was either with the Baptist Student Union or InterVarsity. I went to those two college ministries. Um, InterVarsity was a little bit, a little, it was, I was always trying to lead my fraternity brothers to Christ. And when I led this Bible study in our fraternity house and they'd come to Jesus, I was like, and I couldn't take it to my church because it was like hardcore. Like if you didn't have pleated khakis and know when to stand up and sit down, in the words of the doxology, you would just be left out. <clears throat> so I tried to take them to my campus ministries with me. Mm-hmm. And this one was good. InterVarsity was good, except that sure enough, every time I brought my friend that just got saved, like the weird girl with the banners would start going. <laughs> He'd be like, is this a cult? And I'm like, I think it might be a cult. This is crazy. <laughs> anyway, so we go on this mission trip. And a huge blizzard hits New York. We go to New York City. The biggest city I'd ever been in was Richmond at that point. Mm. We get there, and we go to this place called Curly's Love Kitchen. It's either in the Bronx. It's somewhere up there, one of the boroughs. <clears throat> so I'm serving. I had become like the spokesperson for our group. It's like 10 kids. Mm-hmm. So whenever there was like testimony or I was, they were always like, Joby, you should say words. And I would get up and I kind of got into it. So we go to Curly's Love Kitchen, and they're giving out jobs. They feed homeless people, and then there's a service on the back end. Mm-hmm. But you have to stay. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to, like, be the speaker. And the guy hands me a bucket of spoons, and it's like, you're going to put down the spoons. And I remember having a real conflict with, like, I'm better than spoons. That's, mm. Somebody else should do spoons. I should have, like, the lead role, you know? Mm. And so I'm following the girl that was laying down napkins, and I'm just doing spoons. And this homeless guy comes up to me and says, not word for word, but the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, and you are going to preach the Gospels to the nations. Mm. And I was like, nope, I'm handing out spoons. Mm. You know, like, you couldn't be more wrong. A little while later, um, this guy, this homeless guy comes up to me. And again, man, this is early 90s. He had just found, he had just been diagnosed with AIDS, and he's like, I'm going to die. And... I don't know what to do, but I know this is this place knows stuff. I lead him to Christ right there. Mm-hmm. His name was Butch. It was crazy, right? And so I go to find that guy that said, I've got a word. He was an African dude, too. So it sounded like Mufasa. So it sounded like even more godly, you know, because he was like, I have a word of the Lord for you. You know, it's like that thing. And I, I couldn't find him anywhere. And I've thought about that guy at yeah. several iterations in my life mm-hmm. that of all the people to pick out. And at that point, I was hardcore going to medical school. There's no chance in the world I was going to be a preacher. Oh, wow. So, wow, that's crazy. Or maybe he told that to every guy from every mission trip every week. I don't know, but he told it to me. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the reason, one thing I want to point out, the reason we know that these folks had prophetic dreams mm-hmm. is because the Bible tells us so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into that in just a little bit because there's a couple of dreams in the passage we're studying this week, but let's start off with something something else. So, you know, if you if you go to verse 18 of chapter 1, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So, pastor, help us understand, I mean, we grew up in church, you know, and that would be a scandal in your church growing up for sure, but even more so in this day, help us understand why. Well, so they did weddings completely different in the first century than we do today. <clears throat> so if you if you go to like Matthew chapter 25 and the parable of the virgins gives us a little context of what a marriage would look like. So you would get betrothed, 
which we kind of call engagement, but it was way more than an engagement. Legally, this in our context, this is where you would like join your finances. You put all the cars in the same name. You join your insurance. You do all that. <clears throat> and then the the groom had about a year to put together all that he would need to to have the dowry for the wife mm. and to be able to prepare for the wedding feast mm-hmm. to prove to everybody and all the relatives and mostly the dad mm-hmm. of the bride, I have what it takes to move her from your house to my house. I can take care of her. Mm. This is why, by the way, in John chapter 2, when the guy runs out of wine, it's mm-hmm. devastating. Right. It's not just that the party's over. It's right. this guy does not have what it takes to be the husband that he claimed to be. That's it's a big deal. Yeah, you'd be humiliated. <clears throat> so then... You weren't even exactly sure. It's not like save the date. This is the exact date we're getting married. It's more like be ready because somewhere in that month, mm-hmm. we know you guys are betrothed and the consummation would happen first. And then the wedding party would go on for days and days and days and days. Mm-hmm. And so this is why in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the virgins, um, the people have been invited and they run out of oil and, mm-hmm. and they don't have enough, you know, because they don't know exactly when it's going to be. Hmm. And the mm-hmm. point of that parable is everybody's invited, but when the party starts, invitation's over mm-hmm. and some are in and some are out. Yeah. So Levitical law would say that if you had been unfaithful, so if you slept with somebody, if you got pregnant with somebody else pre the consummation of your betrothal, it was death by stoning. Mm-hmm. So as scandalous as it gets right here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, really, Joseph has incredible maturity, empathy, compassion, mm-hmm. and grace mm-hmm. to say, I mean, you've shamed me. At least he would think it from his perspective. But I'm not going to shame you. I'm just going to let you go quietly. Mm-hmm. But her life would be over. Right. There's a There's a great movie. Uh, this is pre the chosen one i think it's called the nativity and there's a scene in that movie it's about obviously the story and there's a, a scene where mary finds out and then goes to tell her family and her family's furious and she's walking like through their little town or something like that and she like the way they shot this scene is that like, all the people start coming towards her and she has this moment of like fear like like i could be about to die right now yeah you know and it's, wow, really powerful. It's easy to miss that, though, because it doesn't specifically spell all that out right here. Um, why is it so important that he she was with child from the Holy Spirit? Well, part of the answer is because in the fulfillment of prophecy yeah. that God had just predecided the way that this was going to go down. Mm-hmm which was that a virgin would conceive a son mm-hmm. all the way down to the details of his name. Right. <clears throat> I mean, people Isaiah. got their names thousands of years earlier to be foreshadows of, you know, Jesus and his name. And so, I mean, part of it is to fulfill prophecy. The other part of it is that in order for the sacrifice for sin to be perfect, yeah. he has to come from a perfect lineage. Mm-hmm. And you look at Romans 5, where it talks about the transfer of the sin nature through Adam. Correct. Mm -hmm. That um, through Adam, one man sinned, therefore all sinned. Mm -hmm. Through Christ, all can be forgiven. Mm 
And so in order for him to be the perfect sacrifice, he couldn't come from the line of Adam. And so he had to come from the perfect lineage, which is the Holy Spirit. Technically, mm. he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek, which that's a whole nother. Yeah, we do a whole, whole podcast thing. on that. That's right. So, yeah, Pastor Britt's absolutely right, <clears throat> because the sin nature is inherited from the sin of Adam passed on. He does mm -hmm. not have a sin nature. He is not, like Psalm 51 says, born into iniquity, mm -hmm. that he is born by the will of God, not mm -hmm. the will of man. Mm -hmm. So there's about 10 different things that matter here. Mm -hmm. Also, in order for Christ to be... Um, fully God and fully man, he is the offspring of the Holy Spirit, but born of a woman. Mm -hmm. And so he is the son of man, and he is the son of God. Mm. I mean, the amount of things, the, the impossibilities and improbabilities that Jesus accomplishes mm -hmm. or fulfills all the scriptures, mm -hmm. it's just... I mean, you just can't make it up. Even Even like, okay, so there are multiple prophecies that will say... He's got to be born in Bethlehem, but he's also got to be from Galilee, and he has to be from Egypt. Mm. And you'd be like, that's impossible. And then you read the story of his life, you'd be like, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. That God was, God was using the Caesar with the uh, with the census. He was using Herod's evilness to drive him into mm -hmm. Egypt. He was he was using uh, Roman occupation and the Pharisaical. Uh, persecution of Jesus to he can, he's going to live in Galilee mm -hmm. and then sure enough the people that were trying to thwart him created the environment whereby he fulfilled the prophecies that told of his coming mm. that'll make your head blow up Oof. yeah we'll talk a little bit more about that but um, so this account like you mentioned Pastor Joby there's not as much detail about the actual birth or the star or anything that's in Luke 2 uh, so it kind of just goes, talks about her message from the angel and then Joseph getting the message from the angel. And then so it basically says, so Joseph obeyed and then Jesus was born. And then we have these, these figures. So let's talk a little bit about these wise men, three or more that there were. And uh, it may have been one with three, oh no, it was men. So it could have been two, three gifts. <laughs> Who who uh, who do you think they were, and is there like a modern equivalent, or is this something specific to like that time period? You know, I think they're called magi, so that's sort of like magician almost, right? I don't know. Oh man, they're pagans. Mm. They, I mean, they don't, they are not growing up in synagogue or for our version in Sunday school, but they are studying creation. Hmm. They are definitely, I mean, right? They're looking at they're looking to the stars for messages. Mm -hmm. Astrologers, who kind God of like is, that, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seekers is would be an actual word. I mean, I know Roman says no one seeks for God, but that's a theological statement. Mm -hmm. There are definitely people that understand they have a, a God-shaped hole in them, and they're trying to yeah. figure out what to fill it up with all kinds of different spirituality. But the biggest mm -hmm. thing is that they are open. Mm. I mean, essentially, we call them the wise men, but they're the ones saying we don't have the answers, and mm -hmm. so we are in search for the answers. Mm -hmm. So I mean that's a that's a tr from a from a humanistic standpoint that is a real true wisdom mm -hmm. is that you would have right. you know what like I don't have it figured out and we are on a journey to try mm -hmm. to figure out what true is yeah do you think at that time there was a more uh, like so if I'm imagining these men being 
these sage sort of like they're looking at mathematics and looking at philosophy they're looking at the stars looking at science all these different things and so when they show up they say where is he who has been born king of the jews right which means they would have also been looking at some scripture they would look at old testament scripture so do you think that that was unique to this this time that the scriptures were seen as a very legitimate source of that kind of knowledge unlike today <clears throat> I, th- I mean i think one would arg- one could easily argue that the amount of what we would call source material that was that was verified and accessible and the number of people that could read mm-hmm. were very small uh in in most cultures that they would have studied this in the same way that the philosophers would have studied the greek philosophers would have studied you know the, the what they would consider to be historical like their classics if their, you will. that's right yeah, yeah. and so i don't think they were studying it as jews or in the pursuit of judaism right. i think they were studying it i believe that they were more studying it from a sense of like this is verified generational source material mm-hmm. that is representative that has a creation account that has mystery though yeah. it's traveled well through time. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And all of the wisdom literature that would have come from the Hebrew people is going to come from the smartest, the best, the brightest and this would have been the people that could go the farthest in uh rabbinical training. So these are rabbis right. that later become things like Pharisees and Sadducees and right. Sanhedrin and things like this. So not so, not dumb people. No, these are cuz you know, cuz the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So all of their all of their history of where they came from is all completely integrated with mm-hmm. who the one true covenant God is. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, just like the Greeks would be studying mm-hmm. uh, mythology and the classics and those stories, I, I'm sure these folks, I think you're absolutely right. It's not a far connection. They understand there is some prophetic words mm-hmm. about a, a, a Messiah that's coming that will be the king of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. and they're looking for him. What do you think that says... So to bring it to applications we're thinking about, maybe people we know or people out there in the world somewhere who would fall into the same category of searching for truth, you know, what what does it say about God's, God giving them signs or speaking through these crazy, and we tend to think, okay, this is the word of God, we not think, we believe, this is the word of God, so you want to hear him speak, read this. Sure. Uh, but somebody out there who's like studying mysticism, it's this might imply that they could still hear from God saying, hey, go go to Jesus. Well, I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about it before, but even right now, the number of reports of of Muslims in Gaza having prophetic dreams of Jesus and then going to search for what does that mean, mm-hmm. these are too many to discount. Hmm. For sure. But the thing that you, I don't know if I'll say always, but every story I've ever heard of that, those people found a Christian that pointed them to the Word of God. Mm -hmm. The key with this, I'm wide open. I mean, this is God. God's primary voice is the Bible. Yeah. Uh, The Reformers would talk about there's another book, which is creation. Mm -hmm. But but Paul says, but creation does not explain Mm -hmm. that by works of the law no man will be justified. Okay. There needs to be a an explanation of the gospel. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty open to God can speak through nature and the stars and dreams and all of that. It will just always align with his mm-hmm. living word, which mm-hmm. is the word of God. 
Yeah, he says in Romans 1 that you can, that everybody should know that there's a divine being, Correct. his divine nature, and his eternal power. Like he's right. powerful and he's divine. But Correct. It's not, you're not going to get that specific message of the cross by looking at the sunset. Correct. For sure. But there's only truth. Yes. At the foundational level, which is that there is a God and that God has a plan. Mm. And that God, that the plan of salvation. You know, it's like the the top of the funnel right. is there is a divine being, Romans one, yeah. and then it leads down to salvation by faith alone, mm-hmm. in through Christ alone, by grace alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And but there's not multiple truths out there. There's just truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, think we've talked about him before, but I think it's an interesting journey right now to watch Jordan Peterson and his um, digging through the Word for so long now. His commentary, like the Museum of the Bible, is pretty wild, bro. He's this guy, anyway. So so take this guy, super smart, obviously, believes in right and wrong, believes in truth, and begins, he would say, the original book of all books is this book right here. He did say. I know. Yeah. And uh, and I, I believe, you know, Isaiah 55, you can't, this the word of God does not go out in vain. Mm-hmm. So he's been digging through this thing for a minute. And God is not afraid, obviously, of people seeking truth, because when you do, you will find him. Mm-hmm. And uh, now there's a whole, there's a lot of smart people like him on this similar journey. Uh, you really do see the, sw- the pendulum swinging. Like the new atheists that seemed so smart just a few years ago, they really seem so out of touch right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there is this, a bit of a return to, well, th- there has to be, there has to at least be this divine being that started this stuff. I mean, you know, it's the, it's the story of C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Um, uh, that he went on this journey too. I, one of my, I, I mentioned it in the first week of this. Um, one of my favorite lines in C.S. Lewis's conversion testimony. He's sitting down with the Inklings at uh, the, mm-hmm. the Eagle Child, this little pub right across the street from Oxford. I've been there; it's awesome. J.R.R. Tolkien is like C.S. Lewis is Tolkien's one more, and he's trying to lead him to Christ. Mm-hmm. And Tolkien, I mean, and Lewis is this, you know professor of medieval mythology. And Tolkien just looks at him and says, they called him Jack. I don't know why you, his nickname would be Jack when your name is C. Lewis. And he goes, Jack, but what if this myth is true? And he doesn't mean myth like a made-up fairy tale. He meant myth like a, mm-hmm. like a core narrative mm-hmm. that we all believe. And Lewis gets on his bike, and he's heading back to his apartment, and he goes down Abbey Lane. I've walked that trail too. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of it, not a believer, and by the time he gets to the end of it, he calls himself the most reluctant convert in England. Mm. And it was that thing mm. that what if this story of redemption, because there's a million. I mean, if you look at every Marvel movie, they almost preach the gospel every time. Mm-hmm. For sure. There's a group of people that are in a problem they can't get out of. Mm-hmm. So somebody from somewhere else shows up on the scene mm-hmm. uh, that's like them, but it's different and pays the price for their redemption. Okay. Mm-hmm. That story has been told since the beginning of humanity mm-hmm. because the foundation of that is the foundation mm-hmm. of our reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it resonates with every person. For sure. Sally Lloyd-Jones wrote the Children's Storybook Bible, which I think is one of the best resources created in the last 15 Mm -hmm. years. Um, And there's a line at the very beginning, it may even be on the cover of it, that says, every story whispers his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whether it's art, story through art, Mm -hmm. whether it's the search for explicit truth, or experiential truth, or whether it's trying to run down the road of science to understand mm. 
creation, why the world is what it is, eventually it's all whispering his name and at times screaming his name. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that the Magi would fall into that, like, I think they're science, art, Mm -hmm. and like literary. They're actually chasing this thing Mm -hmm. called truth to understand the human experience. And here they are sitting in front of the inventor of truth with gold frankincense and myrrh. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's mere Christianity. You know, C.S. Lewis is like, listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. However, in every other pagan world religion that is fundamentally wrong, there are still many, many things that are right about them, about Mm -hmm. how to treat one another, yada, yada, yada. For sure. And he's like, in mathematics, if the answer is four, but you get six, well, six is wrong, but six is closer to four than 14 is. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's what he's doing in mere Christianity. Can Mm -hmm. we just agree that there is a sense of right and wrong? And then he traces Mm -hmm. that thread all the way to Jesus' redemption on the cross and resurrection. That seems to be what God is doing with the wise men. Like, hey man, you got some right ideas. You have a it is a right thing for you to be curious and know that you have not figured it out and are on a journey yeah. to figure it out. And I think a lot of times modern day evangelicals don't leave that kind of space in regards to uh their apologetic in trying to mm-hmm. navigate somebody towards right. taste and see that yeah, he's yeah. good. Well, the more da- the more dangerous or more scary thing to me is not seekers of truth, whether they are grasping and reaching and looking for truth in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Seekers of truth to me, come one, come all. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. God can handle all your questions, and He has handled them. Mm-hmm. It's not those folks that I worry about through around Christmas stories, or right. it's the people who are who would affirm truth. But they're inoculated to the power of it, mm. yeah. right? Yeah. And it's, it's 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 the cultural Christian American, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you you say the word incarnation, and you're not moved by the divine reality that God became a man, right, to live your life for you. You know what I mean? It's just like it's just another thing that's the being inoculated to the power of the truth when you have it yes is is a totally different more fearful category to be in than seeking for truth even though you have yet to realize it well that's one of the primary tactics back to c.s lewis and the screw tape letters mm-hmm. is like just just keep keep the client which is what they called their person they were trying to trick let's just keep him comfortable in church and inoculate him with the gospel so that it'll have no effect on him mm-hmm. More college stories. Um, so I started that Bible study in in my fraternity house hundred years ago, and this guy moves there from Spain. He had one suitcase, and he Carlos Gutierrez, and he shows up. And it was very little English, and he's just about this. He joins our fraternity a couple semesters in. He starts showing up to the Bible study, and I'm like that. And he, dude, he's never held a Bible from Spain, Madrid, mm. Spain. Mm. And he's kind of checking it out. And then he didn't show up for a few weeks. And I'm like, hey, where'd Carlos go? And they're like, oh, he went to, I don't know, some boot. He, so what he was doing, he turned out to be like a computer analyst before that was a thing. I think early 90s, all right? Mm. And he was just taking in all of the religious claims that were being made on campus. All of it. He was like, I'm just going to see for myself. And I remember as about a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, I was terrified. I was like, oh, no. Oh no, 
Everybody's going to screw him up. Mm-hmm. You know, we were on such a good path here studying the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. He's going to be all screwed up. He comes back the next semester, and he's like, he's got his Bible that I gave him, and he goes, this is it. He says, I've seen everything else. Mm. This has a unique claim that nothing else has. Totally. What he was talking about is redemption by grace through faith. He didn't have those words. Mm-hmm. He was talking about every everything else I've studied gives me a pathway, gives me a ladder to climb, gives me you know chakra yep. to align, yeah. uh, pillars to obey, whatever. And he's like, even he's like, even the first part has commandments to obey, but it's but. He was talking about the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's like, but he came and got me. Yeah. He died in my place. The dude got saved. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before about my friend Michael, Muslim, Palestinian. They lost I'm, his family? No, I'm going to do it right now. No. Talking about how God works. It's a little bit of a long story, but go with me here. I'll be quick. Michael is the name that I know him by. I'm in Palestine in the West Bank, working with some of our ministry partners. I'm there two or three days, and the folks, there was a very small group of us uh, there, and they were like, hey, we've got a, a young man we want you to meet. Great. Like, how how is it day three, and I'm just now hearing about this guy? And they're like, well, it's a bit of a thing. Okay. So they take us up to the third floor of this place we're we're in the west bank now we're not this is not kansas 99.99 percent muslim all the things you're seeing on the news is in gaza strip the west bank's the other side mm-hmm. okay and i meet this young man in his 20s great looking guy man six three just a just ripped out of his mind you know just, just great looking dude Looks healthy, looks happy. We sit down, he begins to tell us his story. The first time he built a weapon to try to hurt people, Jews, he was a teenager. Hmm. And he's got actually scars from like (coughs) triggers going off, like learning how detonators work and stuff. This Hmm. is how he was trained as a young man. Hmm. And he gets put into the military and goes on this quest for truth. And there's all these really smart people out there that have bought up, I don't even know how it all works, but they bought up IP addresses and they figured out how, like, if somebody in the Middle East asked the question, who is God or what is truth, it leads them on these, like, click funnels. Mm. Eventually, they'll land at the gospel and they'll, they'll be in a conversation with somebody. Hmm. So this guy's, like, searching around online. He goes to Facebook, and back in the day, Facebook used to say, like, used to say you're religious your religion, he goes to Facebook and he Googles or he like searches for a Christian and he randomly finds this lady in Michigan who identifies as a Christian and he sends her a message. Now imagine being this lady Mm. that you receive this message from a um, young Muslim man in the Middle East that's like, hey, I saw you were a Christian. Could you tell me more about it? Turns out, by God's sovereignty, that this lady was one of the people who was actually trained in how to handle these conversations with Muslims via all these click funnels. Hmm. And so she begins to have a conversation with him. Via, she moves it over to email because it's more secure. And they just, she goes all the way back to creation 
And there's actually, for our folks, there's a, a really great course I took a long time ago. Called, you can go to jaq.org, it's Jesus in the Quran. The Jesus is actually all over the Quran. And 90-something times it mentions him. And how you use the Quran to actually lead people to the truth of the gospel hmm. is revealed to the scriptures. And so she was trained in all these things. Through email, she shares the gospel, the power of the resurrection with him, and he told me, we're sitting in, in the room, and there, there, it's so intense in this room. This guy's sharing the story. It's one of the thickest you know, environments I've ever been in. <clears throat> and the guy looks, he looks at me, and he goes, when I heard the truth, I knew it was the truth. Mm. And I'm just like, it's one thing to preach that. It's one thing yeah. for us to hear and talk about it. It's another thing to hear a brother giving testimony of it mm -hmm. that did not grow up with a category of Jesus as mm. king. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> his brother, who was also in the military, he goes to the they're, – they're rooming together. And he, the guy I'm talking to goes to the bathroom one night or something, and his brother sees his emails open and begins to read them and says, I'm going to give you a few hours head start. And so this cat, when I met him, was on the run and in hiding. Mm. And um, uh, because his all of his, he had converted, and they're going to kill him. Mm. And uh, we ended up helping him get into a, a discipleship school in, in another part of the Middle East. I'm trying to say too many details I was like, here, don't but, say. <laughs> yeah, in another part of the Middle East. And then he ended up getting back, and he got arrested, and uh, and um and has had to go back underground. We mm, haven't heard from wow. him in quite a few years. Mm. <clears throat> the guy I know that knows him, they stay, we get a little bit of information here and there. Mm. But that day, I remember him telling me, I don't care what happens to me. I only want my father and brother to know the truth as wow. I do. Mm. Wow. And all of this is just the Lord mm. putting a bread breadcrumb of truth, mm. breadcrumb of truth. I mean, think about mm. how many things, sovereign details, have to work out for that young man mm. to get into this conversation with this lady who's smart enough to then take it to email, not afraid of him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> so do I believe that God uses all different kinds of means? Yeah. To lead people to the, yes, I do. And I believe the Magi would fall into that category. Back well, to the Christmas we, story here. We've been talking about, you know, all truth being <clears throat> God's truth. And I'm not sure if I have this fully formulated, but see if I'm on the right trail here, Pastor Joby. Like, I think that it matters which direction you go, because if you haven't found the truth of Jesus, then the doorways through your pursuit of truth through Buddhism or through the Quran or whatever would become a legitimate way to arrive at the truth, which is Jesus. But it does that road does not go both ways. Like if you are a Christian, just because all truth is God's truth does not mean, hey, I should go check out some of that stuff to find God's truth in it. Is that is that a fair statement to say? Yeah, and there are many, many warnings in the New Testament about that. You mm -hmm. know, in the last days there will come false teachers that will say things that tickle your ears. Mm -hmm. And if one could, will be led away mm -hmm. into destruction. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Once you've arrived, you've arrived. That's it. There's this is the revelation of truth. Mm -hmm. There's no new revelation, no additional revelation. Mm -hmm. This is it. And mm -hmm. you also, as we talk about regularly, have an enemy that is trying to keep you from the truth. And he's a liar. And the mm -hmm. best Trickster. thing that he can do is to convince you of something that's a quarter true, mm -hmm. but counterfeited actual mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. 
So to that math equation, that math analogy, you know, C.S. Lewis says if four is the right number, but six is closer than 14. Mm -hmm. But if you're on four and you start moving towards 14, you are moving away from right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you're going in the yeah. wrong direction. That's good. Uh, yeah. In either direction, yeah. right? Two yeah. is also not four. <laughs> and if you stop at six, you never got to four. Correct, correct, mm -hmm. correct. Mm. That's good. Well, we talked a little bit about dreams earlier, and, you know, Joseph and the wise men are told what to do in dreams. Um, is there any kind of guideline that somebody should have in their minds when they think about, I think maybe God is telling me something? Scriptures. The Bible. And uh, Pastor Adam is... Uh, B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, and Pastor Adam's writing a book right now. Uh, he's preached the sermon on, he calls it God Told Me, How Do You Know What God Told You To Do? And it's the acronym gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's just rooted in God's word. Mm -hmm. I think that might be the G of the of it. You know, yes, some other people. What does Scripture say? Pray about it. There's a bunch of things, but God is not a liar. He cannot lie. He can't tell you to do one thing that He told us differently. Mm. Yeah. And so we do live in a world right now where people that fly the banner of Christianity are moving away from what the Bible says mm -hmm. is true. That's right. Particularly in the things like sex, sexuality, gender. Mm -hmm. Right, wrong, all of these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very weary, and there may be growth for me in this for sure. Mm -hmm. But I'm very weary anytime somebody says any version of me to me. God told me that I should tell you, and then they say words that aren't Bible verses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I, what I would say, I, I appreciate. Like, hey, I was praying for you, and I had this feeling, or I had this sense, and I want to share it with you. So that you can pray about it, mm -hmm. and then you know what I mean. That's one conversation. Right. Well, a, I I can put a big wet blanket on it sometimes. I don't mean to, but I've me too, man. Imagine how many times I get told it. Right. Holy cannoli. <laughs> and so the moment somebody's like, "God told me to tell you," go whoa, whoa, whoa. Then you would never have to say that. You would never have to preface it with "God told you to tell me that." If He didn't, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you can just say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to all the single people out there, if somebody's ended across from you oh, says, yeah. "God told me that we should get married," I don't know that he did. <laughs> I don't know that he did. And if I've said it, it has been like the video we showed a few weeks ago when I called that girl Taylor. Mm -hmm. She wrote on a prayer card something to the effect of, "I know Joby's never going to see this, but whoever's reading it, I'm in a dark spot." And I just said, "God told me to call you," mm -hmm. but I really believe he did. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But it seems you were, that you were correct. Well, if, yeah, you've played that. The only way to know, like the way to know if a prophet is a prophet. Yeah, that's is what it, it tells. Yeah. It's got to be 100% right on. doesn't come true, that person dies. That's <laughs> right. legitimately what it says. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm not, I do believe that God might lay something on mm -hmm. my heart or give me a word, I say that in yes. quotation yes. marks, for you. Mm -hmm. yep. And that I would should share that with mm -hmm. you in complete humility mm -hmm. And with the uh, the category of, mm -hmm. I'm sharing with this this with you as my friend, and I want to pray into this yeah. with you according to the scriptures. Because we're right? also told test the spirits, like test, test the spirits, test them to see what's from God, right? There's also some. I mean, there's some. Uh, you know, uh, in in the church in Corinth, it's getting a little disorderly because people are like, I got a word, mm -hmm. and so Paul's like, time out on the words. If you think you have a word from the Lord for the edification of the church, you need to run that by the elders, and they are going to let you know mm -hmm. if they receive it as a word from the Lord or not. Mm -hmm. So there's some precedence there. Yeah, I do think what 
what you're warning people with is if and when you believe God, I mean, we're called to encourage one another, so maybe you feel led to encourage. Mm -hmm. You should just say, I want to just lay this before you and see how it Mm -hmm. lands on you. Mm -hmm. I sense it's from the Lord, but this is between Mm y'all. Yeah. Well, that that prophetic uh, verse that we quote often, you know, it's from Joel that is quoted in the book of Acts at the Sermon at Pentecost. It says, this is to fulfill what was spoken by that by the prophet Joel, that in the in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, says the Lord, on all flesh. And it talks about dreaming dreams, yep. you know. And so in this text, you see the dreams that are happening from Joseph and from the wise men. And I think the point is not like, oh, let's get obsessed with dream interpretation. No, it's just like, I think the point is God speaks to you. God wants to speak to you. And like you've said so often recently, Pastor Joby, uh, do what the voice of the shepherd is telling you. Was Joel, we may not know the answer to this immediately, but was Joel writing in terms of the last days of the church age or the last days of the temple age? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. Um, Later times. I mean, sometimes like... Well, it's got to be, it's got to go on into the church age because I sure. think that was like the... Peter grabs that prophecy from Joel to shift gears and then be like, what he's mm-hmm. talking about is about to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Like you are going to do the things Joel was talking about going forward mm-hmm. into the church age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Solomon interpreted a prophecy of David that is also true of Christ, right? Like a son of your house, of your lineage, sitting on the throne. So I think prophecy kind of has that, almost like skipping a rock, like it continues to go in that direction even if it hits multiple points. Got it. But that's my Sounds but in accordance with the scripture, I think is important. Even mm-hmm. I mean, even if you go back to like First Corinthians fifteen, when Paul says, "For I delivered to you as of first importance," so he's talking about the gospel. Mm-hmm. He says, "I want to remind you of the gospel," and then he says, "I delivered to you what is first importance, what I received from Christ, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures." Mm-hmm. So, what Paul will continuously Paul. Even when he talks about his own personal miraculous experience with the the post-resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, he's still always going to bring it back to in accordance with the Scripture. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, I was going to say that. I mean, so in this section of Scripture alone, there's two different times where Matthew says, this happened right. to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. It's all over the book of Matthew. I mean, it's it's got to be a high on his priority list to talk about the fulfillment of prophecies from that Jesus that Jesus fulfilled. Uh, but it's also all over the New Testament, like you're pointing out. Well, like, the big part, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience, so a big thing that he keeps doing yes. is he's like flipping through the Old Covenant going, don't miss this. How did you miss that? We've been studying this our whole lives. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for the serpent mm-hmm. crusher. So Yeah. Yeah, and I've... I think if, depending on who you, who you read, it's something like over 300... It's like 300, 400... Pro- specific prophecies right. that were fulfilled by Jesus. Why is that? We talked a little bit about it uh, a few minutes ago, but why is it so important that he would fulfill all of those prophecies? Um, well, one, it's just to show that this is not by happenstance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We both share, I think we did it in a private meeting, but there was a statistician one time that just didn't even take all the prophecies, but just the prophecies Eight. of his birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the statistical probability of a person would be like you fill up Texas with quarters, silver dollars, and paint one green, 
and then blindfold you and you say, all right, walk around for a few days and then reach down to pick one up and picking up the one that would be painted that color. That's the statistical probability that any singular human being could pull all these things off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy's name was Professor Stoner. Ah. And you can look it up. Mm. And he he had, had a statistics class sit down, like really work it. And yeah, it was well. like 10 to the 27th power chance. So that's 10 with 27 zeros. One in that many, one in 10 with 27 zeros is the percentage chance that one person would live for 33 years and fulfill eight prophecies. Eight. Mm-hmm. And whether you count the messianic prophecies as a hunch, some people count it as 140, 120, 140, some people count it as 360 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, r- regardless, the chances are astronomical. And so I think <laughs> you asked the question, why was it why was it important? Well, I think that's where the gospel of Mark comes in in large part is that it's like in every single way the divinity of Christ is is revealed as he is the point of everything. Mm-hmm. So the prophecies don't give Jesus a point. Jesus gives the prophecies meaning. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he is literally the point of everything is coming back to him. Everything came through him. He is the point. And so I think that that's why we have even words like prophecy is because it helps us to get our finite minds around this divine man, the God-man, who is Jesus mm. Christ and who happens to be the point of everything. Mm. And the crazy thing is, is I mean, it, there's a real Christmas parallel in the evangelical South where you have all of the language and trappings, all the Christian words, everybody know it's coming. Mm. And, you know, the three of us and our incredible team around us, we're working like crazy to make sure people don't miss Jesus at Christmas, mm-hmm. you know? And how many people are going to be riding around and going to churches mm. and singing songs? The songs are about Jesus. Oh, you know what I mean? For sure. They're the most profound worship lyrics correct. ever written and then Christmas miss, And then miss him yeah. totally. And he's like, he's in the nativity set mm-hmm. right there by the tree, mm-hmm. and, and you get all caught up in the wrong things, mm-hmm. and you miss him. And you would say, it's in the name. Christ is in the name. It's a worship service about Christ Mm -hmm. is what Christmas is, right? (laughs) And so, and yet so many people don't get it, right? They don't get who he is. And and I I get a little bit of that sense from Matthew. Mm -hmm. They're like, how could you miss him? Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, Whereas other people, they go and run and be like, we found him. Mm -hmm. This is the one we have been looking for. Mm -hmm. But the most religious oftentimes couldn't see him um, and, and often it was just, a, um, I think they put themselves in the story too much mm-hmm. and the prophecies that he will fulfill in his second coming didn't get fulfilled. So they're like, mm-hmm. how could he be the king? He's mm-hmm. born in a manger. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah says that we're going to be ruling. Mm-hmm. He's like, not yet. You missed it. Cause you put your, like you were trying to see what you could get out of him, out right. of the Messiah yeah. versus Jesus Lord at that birth. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to bow down. But the wise men bowed down. I mean, they brought gifts to mm-hmm. him, which was this sign of, like, we think you are who the Jewish prophets say you are. Mm-hmm. There's so much. You know, we talk about this often about how he picked the exact right point <clears throat> in human history. Yeah. 
which, you know, you can flip that and be like, actually, all of human history was designing itself around his coming. Hmm. Like he, he didn't True. look at human history and then be like, hey, this is where I'm going to come in. He's like, all of human history was was yeah. leading Perfectly to his coming, right? That, and yeah. so, but you think about just how chaotic it all was. I mean, just the mm. world, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. our, our normal doesn't have things like magi and baby genocide mm. and not in America. People flis, like, yeah, you have to flee to Canada to get away from the government that's trying to kill all the firstborn mm -hmm. to, you know what I mean? Like it's a really chaotic mm. time. Yeah. And yet it's, you can't ever get away from like the, 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 Mary was a teenage girl that was picked by God to carry mm. a, the Holy Spirit conceived Messiah. Mm -hmm. And then she was given what she needed mm -hmm. to do it. So glad there and, weren't smartphones, you know. Hashtag walk on water, you know, like somebody would have gone for sure, to make man. The viral video or so. You mentioned Pastor Joby the gifts mm -hmm. they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I've heard before that maybe those represent something. I mean, is, what's your take on? Hundred percent. There's no doubt in my mind that they're acknowledging that Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. And yeah. if you were the parents, two of these, you're like, this is cool. Gold that would be the gift you would give a king. Hmm. Frankincense is what you would, it, it was used in the temple to represent the prayers of the people going up to God. Mm -hmm. um, so that would have been to represent his priestly role. But at, and he's probably like two or three years old here, but mm -hmm. as your little boy, they also bring him myrrh, which was mm -hmm. a spice that they would use when they entombed people. Mm -hmm. So when the angel says things to Mary, like, you know, she treasures these things in her heart, and mm -hmm. they were going to pierce her heart like a sword, mm. she knows from the beginning mm. that the Messiah came to die in her place because he's the Lamb of God, mm. slain for the forgiveness of the world. Mm. Is is this instance where Christmas presents come from? No idea, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I I. I do think there's um, <clears throat> when it comes to Christmas and people are like, because we'll I'll probably get a couple of emails. We got Christmas trees on our stage, and somebody will talk about the winter solstice and how it's a pagan holiday and the Christmas man, whatever. <laughs> it's probably at your church. Quite honestly, we're moving for all people, but I don't know about you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's some things like that, like a bunch of American traditions that we've borrowed from all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I think there's there's some things in culture that you just receive, some things you redeem, and some things you reject, mm -hmm. right? So getting lost in consumerism and it being all about the presents you give and receive, you better reject that. Mm -hmm. But this idea of in honor of the birth of Jesus, we bless one another with gifts, I think is a really cool thing to redeem, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? Yeah. How do they get it? Then, also then they it? opened their treasures, right, and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm -hmm. So I don't think gold, frankincense, and myrrh were all of their treasures. Yeah, right, right. And so I, I think the question is, what do you treasure this holiday season? What are you doing with your treasures, mm -hmm. and how is that worshipful? Like I can only say that, like as a dad, I love getting my kids stuff for Christmas 
and experiencing Christmas morning. Love it. Like it's one of the mornings of the year where I I sense God's presence with my family mm-hmm. as significant as any other morning. Mm-hmm. And we're not making we we're not making a big deal about the presence. There's just so much exchange in it. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's the exchange of dependency. There's the exchange of love and care. And I want good for you. Mm-hmm. There's a paternalism thing, but there's also the children blessing the the parents. In, in in regards to receiving the gifts, mm-hmm. and you know nothing nothing hijacks joy like you give your child a gift and then they like turn their nose up at it or they, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But that's so often how we live in our lives. We don't open our treasures to the Lord, and we we were like you know we kind of hold on to our thing or it's, it's all you know we have that it's not good enough posture. Christmas reminds us of the beauty of the exchange that we have to bless bless each other. And so yeah. where that practice came from, I think I've best heard it argued that came from some tradition in Germany at mm-hmm. some point. But um, I don't know, man. Mm. I think God is with us, Emmanuel, mm. and he can be with us, and he is with us on mm-hmm. Christmas morning okay. if we choose to acknowledge his, his presence yeah. in it. Yeah. And I hope that our, our folks – this series helps our folks experience the presence of God in a very tangible way through the Christmas season. I think when my kids give me gifts, now they're 14 and 18 now, so they're it's better. So I love I think it's a pretty good picture of worship. Like my heart is genuinely moved depending on what they get. But they have nothing. My kids don't have any money. They have my money. So they might they use my money to buy me something that I don't need and I can go get if I want it. Mm-hmm. But man, so but you can tell when they put even if they just buy a thing, they don't make a thing or whatever. But if they 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 thought about all right, who is our dad? What is our dad like? What is something that he would enjoy? And I'm going to go and get this thing just for him. Because I know him and I know who he is, you mm-hmm. know. Like, I mean, to be extreme, if they brought me a gator sweatshirt, I'd be like, "You don't know me, right?" Mm-hmm. There would be a gift they could give me that would be offensive. I'd be like, yeah, "What are you good, a yeah. bowling ball? I don't even bowl. That's dumb." Mm-hmm. But they'll get some knife or some hunting. It's usually a hunting thing. But at least it's like we know our dad, mm-hmm. and we went to a hunting place and we got stuff that we think he'll like. I think that's. And mm-hmm. then in addition to that. Mom probably makes them do this, but they write a little little card, you know. I mean, for my birthday, you know what JP gave me? JP gave me a handwritten note that said, I feel weird buying stuff with your money for you, so what I want to give you this year is we're just going to spend more time together. And I was like, so I'm a dad, created in the image of the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And you begin to think, there's no greater gift. Mm-hmm, for like, sure. what do you want from your kid? You want him. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of that in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it all, it all acknowledges the greatest gift, which is God himself to us through Christ. Right? Well, I think that's what the wise men are doing. They are mm-hmm. acknowledging we know who you are. Yeah. You're prophet, pe- yeah. priest, and king. Mm. Yeah. Well, why don't you close us down, Pastor Joby, with this. I mean, the premise behind the series is just these different perspectives around Christmas. You know, yeah. We originally were going to call it four Christmases, like four different perspectives. But how does this, how does this perspective, the perspective of these magi, how, how do you, what's what's your prayer and our prayers? We're hoping for our folks to see their Christmas maybe in a different light. Well, 
when I originally put it together, I was thinking like Luke really looks at the perspective of Mary. Mm-hmm. We talked about the the Christmas narrative in Revelation. Few people even know that is there. Mm-hmm. John starts out with the perspective of eternity, you know, like the whole meta narrative. We talked about this, but I think the problem with Christmas, the reason people miss the story is because you start, like it does, Christmas does not start in the manger, man. Yeah. This thing starts in the beginning. Yes. Right? And it consummates all the way to the behold, I am. Mm. Okay. So I, this one is really, if you look at it from the perspective of Joseph, Here's a man that heard, especially in this John 10, 10 context, he heard the voice of the good shepherd, and he just did what the good shepherd told him to do. Same thing with the Magi, man. They were just seeking the truth, and they found him. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're hoping for our folks, for all of us, us included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Christmas gets a little busy for us, right? It's kind of a big season, mm-hmm. all the things, but mm-hmm. that we would hear the voice of the good shepherd. We'd be reminded of the the grand narrative of God's redemptive plan for his people. He sent his son on a rescue mission for us, that we would, these gifts remind us that we would see him for who he is Mm -hmm. and that we would treasure him above all things. Amen. Would you pray for us? I'd love to. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the, the events that we call the Christmas story. God, we pray that we would be like the Magi, that we would just seek you and seek truth. And Lord, we have such an advantage. We don't have to figure out what stars mean and go ask others, God, that we have your inspired, revealed, inerrant, perfect word that always guides us to your perfect son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Thank you for listening to the podcast. The end.